Well, I will tell you this, man, that the, the study of this has just elevated the doxological response in worship that I've had, the bowing down of realizing and, and knowing that, that Christ has adopted me into his family and given me his name. This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. He's just yearning for you. He's longing for you. He wants friendship and relationship with you. He needs you. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. We cannot stand before God in our sin. This is like when you say, I, I just can't believe in a God that would, you realize it doesn't matter. You don't get to define God. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. I almost vomit every time I go into a Christian bookstore because the top 20 books are all about how you can get whatever you want from God whenever you want it if you rub his belly the right way. There's no repentance. There's no holiness. There's no vision of who God is, what God wants. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? The three of us were texting yesterday and just ideas back and forth. And um, something that I just, and Chris, Chris said it already, but something that I, I just want to say from the outset here. Normally we would start with doctrine and and things, and then we would get to the practical, theological aspect of 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 what we're talking about. But I think I think this is a topic that we that is easy to get wrapped up in and not see the practical application of it. So at the outset, I agree with what Chris said. Um, the response in my heart has just been. Uh, thankfulness. <clears throat> if you read the book of Colossians, mm. you you can't... Thankfulness is Doesn't a remedy it. in the Christian life for every sin. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it is... It is... It rids... It crushes idols. It crushes um, uh, our own sinful desires, and I just... I think it's important for us to say that we all know if we we could lose our salvation, we all would. That's right. Every and, day. And um, John ten kept keep jumping in, kept jumping into my head over these last few days that we are secure in the Father's hand, and those who are saved are secure in the Son's hand, and the Father and the Son are working together to ensure that the final salvation is brought about for all of uh, all of his children. That's right. And uh, I just, being in Christ, reading this topic, studying this topic of the order of salvation, <clears throat> just reminded me that 
whatever that work that that God begins in us, He will bring about into completion. First Thessalonians um, five, That's and right. so Philippians. Um, I, that, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for that, and and so I, I pray that uh, if you're listening uh, to this, that um, that you will feel that same assurance and security um, because the salvation is the work of God from beginning to end, and that you would you will feel secure in the hands of our uh, our perfect triune God. And as we're as we're diving in and talking about this, um, uh, as as we get into the uh, the the ordo salutis, the order of salvation, um, and Nick, I love the way you just said that. It starts and ends with the Trinity. Um, it is His work completely, um, and the assurance and the hope and the encouragement that 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 brings us is huge. Now, you may, uh, in your own personal study, as I'm sure we have, uh, seen that different theologians um, have different orders as it relates to the middle. However, it all starts with the foreknowledge and predestination of the elect, and it ends with the glorification of those elect. Um, so the middle portion is, 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 is where some people will, will disagree. Uh, some of them, it, they'll disagree on, on, as we've talked about before, some open-handed theological issues. Some of them disagree uh, on some closed-handed theological issues, i.e. Pelagians. And in my opinion, this is just me, I have not run this by A.G. or Nick, I completely believe that, and, and we all start out this way, but I completely wholeheartedly believe that if someone remains Arminian, it's very, very dangerous to, um, as far as a, a pastor or leader goes, it, 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 it becomes very, very dangerous to the people in that flock. That's just my opinion based on what I've read as far as church history and in Scripture. But Arminianism was declared a heresy. That's right. By the, by the church. And so, in the first century, there was there were no Arminians. <laughs> That's <laughs> there, right. There, there were no Arminians. I mean, the, the church spread through the preaching of Paul. Arminianism, Arminianism was not a thing. Right. And when it came up in church history, it was brought before a council, and the council deemed it to be a heresy. Mm. I just want to read verse twenty nine, Romans eight twenty nine says this, for those whom he, that's God, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, God predestined, he, that's God, he also called, and those whom he called, he, that's still God, also justified, and those whom he justified, he, still God, also glorified. So I, that's what is non-negotiable in the Ordo Salutis. It begins with the predestination of God, Amen. and in there, in the middle, is so at some point in time, there is an effectual or e internal call of God uh, for his elect, and when that person is called and they receive Christ by faith, they are found not guilty. They are united to Christ in his death and resurrection and his righteousness, and they are justified. And once they are justified, that person will remain faithful 
by the grace of God to the end of the age when they when they die or when Jesus returns, they they will be glorified. And it is God and His grace throughout the whole thing that allows them from the start to beginning, start to the end, to remain uh, and be in Christ. So and that's a consistent theme that you're going to see pop up. That's right. Once we get into every uh, aspect of, uh, of the order of salvation, you're going to see that it's an act of God. It's an act of God's grace. That's going to be consistently rearing its head. So definitely pay attention to that. Well, and, and Nick, you mentioned, so uh, like I said, it starts with the, the foreknowledge and predestination and election. And, uh, and, and for those who uh, maybe listening, and um, you don't like those terms. Well, they're in the Bible, uh, so we don't. I, I, the plan was today is to not uh, launch into uh, too much uh, as far as a whole episode on the doctrine of election, um, because I think we could probably spend multiple uh, episodes. Not, I think we definitely could spend multiple episodes talking about that, but it's there. Uh, but for the elect, for those predestined as Romans and Colossians and Ephesians and John uh, and um, the New Testament, Everywhere the Old Testament, in the Bible. Scripture uh, says um, it starts with that effectual call. Um, and that effectual call um, is, is both external and internal. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the external call is uh, and, and how, how that um, contributes to the call. Re- really quickly, before before we do that, I want to I want to throw a term out there for us, and and this takes it all the way back. I want to throw the term of pactum salutis out there, um, which is the it is the doctrine that before the foundation of the world, the triune God within the Trinity mm. uh, decided to create a people, and that the Father would give a people to the Son. Right. The Son would then come and take on flesh to purchase those people, and the Spirit would be the one who would apply the work of Christ to the individuals per- subjectively. But the the work that Jesus did was not dying for a particular individual. It was dying for a people. That's right. And the Holy Spirit is the one who applies that work subjectively to the individual. Correct. And all of this happened before God created anything. That's right. And that's where it, that's where it began. That's right. Marked out, appointed beforehand. If you wanted a. a, a an actual definition, literal uh, in 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 the Hebrew. There, some people would call that the covenant of redemption. That's right. Or the eternal, the eternal covenant, right. that it was a covenant within the Godhead of to accomplish yeah. salvation. Yeah, and that's what Hodge in his systematic theology mm-hmm. says too. He says that salvation is a covenant. Mm. It begins it as a covenant. That's right. Yep. That's right. And which didn't, in, which initially didn't involve people at all. That's right. It's, the impetus of it came from within the Godhead. Right. That's right. So, the external, external call. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's exactly right. Exter- external call. External call. So, Nick, what, what is the external call? Uh, that is the call, generally speaking, 
of the gospel, the word of God being preached, okay? Uh, so, <clears throat> and God in, his, God in his sovereignty, there are many millions of people that never heard the external call. They never heard the gospel preached. They never heard the word of God uh, expounded. Um, but generally speaking, the external call is uh, the, the call that one hears when the gospel is proclaimed. That's right, Romans 10. I'm starting verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in the riches of all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? So when we talk about the external call of, uh, that, that, that is given, it, it is the proclamation of the gospel. Now, let's talk about what that gospel proclamation uh, must have in it. Okay, because uh, so many, you know, and, 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 I, and in, our, in our text yesterday, you know, w- one of the things and one of the reasons that, that we specifically wanted to talk about this is um, each of us, um, unfortunately, um, and, and this has been the case and will continue to be the case until the day of the Lord, uh, there are so many pastors and preachers out there um, who just get this wrong uh, because they have made the people that they're standing in front of, uh, or and or their own pride, their idols, and refuse to preach the whole of the gospel. So we, we need to talk about the elements of the external call. What must it have in there? Um, and first and foremost, it must explain the fact that God is holy, and we are not. We are sinful men. And it's the work of Christ that accomplishes the redemption in us. Um, and, and I think about that statement, God's holiness. And, and you know, one of the things that AG asked us, to, asked us all to think about uh, in talking about this is, you know, we, we, want this, we want our listeners to be listening to this and it not be, um, it not be about, look how much these three guys know. We want it to be, hey, these are the things that we're studying in Scripture, and so what can we do just to encourage and edify and admonish the people who may listen to this? And we don't want to fill you with just head knowledge. That's right. That's right. Um, so, so we want to, to, to talk about this um, from that standpoint. Now, I will say this. Um, this does not absolve anyone, us included, from studying the Scriptures for our own personal sanctification. Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians to simpletons to slaves, mm-hmm. and wrote it in their language. That's right. All you got to do is read the scriptures, mm-hmm. and this will be clear to you. Um, but let's get back on track. Sorry, small rabbit hole. A presentation of the gospel facts and the doctrine of redemption. That's what, that's what the gospel, that's what the external call, one of the first thing it must include. It must include a proclamation of the gospel and the doctrine of redemption. That's right. So, so what are the what are the facts, the gospel facts that must be proclaimed? It must be proclaimed Romans 3. We all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God, right? That's right. We all stand guilty 
before a holy God. That that's that's the part that I think Chris is talking about when he talks about people that don't present the entirety of the gospel. That's right. Yes. Right there, there is the gospel by definition is good news. That's what gospel means. But you can't good news to from what? That's right. If there if there's if there's good news, that means there must be a problem yep. as well. And the problem has to be spoken of and not brushed under the rug. Well, so Nick, the problem is 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 there, there's just there's disease and death and heartache, right? That that that's all the problem is, right? That's that's yeah, the bad news. Yeah, there's disease in every single heart. Yeah. That can't cure itself. That's that's the issue. In in Adam as Adam fell and you can't you go read Romans chapter 5 Adam fell, and when Adam fell, everyone, all of his progeny fell in him. Yes. And we have no ability in and of ourselves to remedy that situation. It is it is a it is death, is what it is. Ephesians 2 calls it death. And the Greek word for death means death, dead. Necros. There is no life in it. There is no life. And that has to be preached just as the rest of the good news must be preached. And uh, with the gospel being good news, that's what, that's what it means, good news, by its nature, it's also offensive. That's right. Because Correct. it holds a mirror up to your face Correct. and says that you don't measure up to God's holiness. Yeah. In, uh, in, in John MacArthur's conversation with Ben Shapiro, he... He, he, he mentioned that uh, Ben Shapiro asked him about him offending people. Mm. And he said, well, yeah, my goal is to offend everybody mm-hmm. by preaching the gospel because right. the gospel is offensive. That's right. That's right. So, so the presentation of the gospel facts must be you stand, you, you stand in our natural state guilty before a holy God. You have no way in and of yourself to pay the record of debt that you owe to him. There is, you can do nothing of your own accord to make any steps toward paying off that record of debt, which Colossians talks about. And, um, and now that you have revealed in them the truth of their current, their, their dire state of being in sin, we come and we, and we present the fact of who is Jesus. We talked about who Jesus was a couple weeks ago. Uh, Jesus is God. Who and if you haven't listened to that, please, please listen to it because yes. it's gonna, it will help in this conversation as yes. well. And listening to this one, J- Jesus is God, who before the foundation of the world agreed that He would come in human form and. He would live a life of righteousness in obedience, perfect obedience to God. He would willingly lay down his life in the place of those whom the Father gave him. And he would overcome, because he is God, he would overcome sin and death and hell for those people which we'll talk about union in Christ yeah, at some point. Yeah. Okay. For those 
who are united to him. Some people would say eternally. Some people say the union happened late, whatever. Okay, we can get into that later. Okay, and he would, <laughs> he would, he would resurrect from the dead, giving life to those people, overcoming those things and bringing new life to those people. Those are the facts, and he would, and he would ascend, and he was coming again. Let's make sure we get the full completion of the gospel there. And so, those are the gospel facts that are non-negotiable that must be presented in the external call. And a part of the external call as well, after the facts have been presented as a preacher, you must earnestly, seriously, as Burkhoff says, it's, this, is not, this is not something that's, uh, where was it that he said, um, the external calling is a calling in good faith, a calling that is seriously meant. It's not an invitation coupled with the hope um, that it will not be accepted. Um, you must, the, the preacher must earnestly call the sinner to repent and believe. Repentance and faith. You have to, because that's the only solution for the damned spiritual condition that we're in. And, um, and, when, and when, you, when there is an invitation to, res- to receive Christ in repentance and faith, there must be uh, an expectation that the Spirit is going to work and is already working. That those people that you're calling to repentance and faith, they are not. They can't do it on their own. Which is which is where which is where prayer has to be has to come in. Anyone who is presenting the gospel to anyone, whether it's from a pulpit or whether it's on the side of a road somewhere. No matter where it is, we need to be constantly in prayer that the Spirit will be moving in the hearts of those people. Romans nine sixteen. So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. So it's not incumbent upon you to use fancy words or to try to you know, sneak a quick confession out of someone or get someone to just say a prayer. That's not that's not what that's not what we're getting at here. It is a a presentation of the gospel. Ephesians chapter six, the armor of God, the word of God is a sword that the Holy Spirit wields, and the Holy Spirit is the only one that can carve a heart that is hard into a heart that is receptive to uh, the gospel. Yeah, God takes his word. Uh, This is uh, Chad Van Dixhorn from the Confessing the Faith commentary. He said, God takes his word, whether it is preached or read, and sends it straight to our hearts. Um, God, And he also says that God does not use just the word and just the spirit. It is a combination. It mm-hmm. is the, we are saved by the, the proclamation of the word through the spirit's power. The word of God being preached is not sufficient to save someone. Amen. And listen, say and it again, yeah, yeah, say yeah, it again, gotta, because be people are going to go, people are going to go, yeah. <gasps> He said Scripture is not sufficient. The Word of God itself proclaimed is not sufficient to save someone. The Spirit 
must take the word and be active and take the word and implant it as truth in the heart of someone. And you can see that through the Gospels. Look at Christ. The word became flesh. The, exa- the, example, that, the example that I gave uh, or that, uh, that I read in, in, in one of the commentaries I was reading was the example of Lydia, right? Yeah, yeah. Lydia, right, right. The, uh, the example of Lydia is that Jesus opened her heart yeah. to, hear, to receive it. Yep. Right, right. The it was the good soil. Yeah, right? yeah. The, the heart was turned into good soil, mm-hmm. and when the when the gospel was preached, it landed on That's it right. landed on the good soil because God prepared the soil was good soil. Well, and from a just just uh, as far as being wide open here, um, and from a practical standpoint in my own life, my dad, I have read scripture to him. Not a believer. Scripture has been proclaimed. Prayer happened. He, remember, Romans 3 says, um, is, is uh, verse 3, uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 3, verse 11, there is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks God. It's done by the power of the Spirit through the proclamation of His Word. So, Nick, you're absolutely right. Just reading God's Word, just the proclamation of the Word does not ensure uh, that someone will come to repentance and faith. That's right. So now, we've discussed the... The natural state of man, mm-hmm. right? That man is dead. But now, in order for that eternal call, that 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 drawing to God, what happens after that? Uh, are you so? So we talked about the external call, uh, which is not actually a part of the ordo salutis because. That's not actually part of salvation. Right. The, the external call is not part of salvation. The external it, call is part of the effectual call. Y- yeah. The, 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 so, so now we want to talk about, are we talking about the internal the call? The internal call. The effectual call. That's right. So now here's where, uh, here's where we start getting a little tricky. So most, most reformers, uh, most reformers, actually they're kind of split on it, whether the external call precedes the re- precedes regeneration or not. I actually tend to fall, and I think I'm in the minority potentially, and we may not even agree on this at this table. I actually tend to think that before someone hears the external call, the gospel preached, their heart is already regenerate. And I would say that because of the good soil. If it lands on good soil... That means that the heart is receptive to it, and if the heart is already receptive when they hear the external call, then uh, then that that heart is good soil, and that means that that heart has already been taken from being a heart of stone to being a heart of flesh, uh, and 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 a lot of the reformers would disagree with that. Um, I- I would agree. I mean, I, I would agree, but I, I mean, uh, with the, I would say this based on just my own personal study, is uh, somebody has to be born again in order to believe. Right. Well, it definitely precedes faith. Absolutely. So, um, but I mean, and, and it goes along with what you just said. So, and, and I guess I'm hashing it out live and in person. So you guys are hearing my my thought process out loud. I mean, yeah, you could, you could sit down and read someone, Isaiah 53, mm-hmm. or Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, multiple times, and it, and it just, it, it, it's like, I mean, it, it's, 
nothing. Nothing sinks in. It's like it's like throwing a quarter up against a wall, mm-hmm. right? It's just going to bounce off. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said quarter up against the wall. That's like the stupidest analogy I can think of. But there may be that one time that you read the exact same passage, and it sinks in. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in that case, absolutely. Then then the the heart of stone would have had to been replaced by the heart of flesh on the good soil, mm-hmm. and it received and taken root. That's right. So so let's 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 say this uh, because this is going to get very nuanced in places. This is a logical order of salvation. Correct. Correct. This is not a chronological order. W- I would say that the internal call and the external call and regeneration and faith and justification are all pretty much pretty close to being simultaneous. Right. And a lot of theologians will, they'll say that they may put it in a chronological order, right. but it's like, bam, bam, bam. This is not a chronological issue. This is a logical order of salvation, a logical thinking through of what the scripture teaches about how salvation takes place. Right. Um, I think chronologically, the only thing we can say First and last is 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 first and last, yep. right? Yep. The the uh, the electing of God of a people, right? For whom Jesus would die, and for whom the Spirit would apply that uh, death and burial and resurrection, and then glorification, glorification yeah. is going to happen at yep. the end. Everything in between is very very. It's pretty much simultaneous. So as we as we dig into these things, if you disagree with something we're saying. The, that's a close-handed issue. Whether or not you think regeneration precedes internal or external call or whatever, these are the, these are not things that we, you know, that we're that people are going to get stoned over. So, hopefully, no one uh, gets effectual stoned, call. Sorry, another <laughs> rabbit trail. So another. Ephesians, Ephesians two. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. Among them who we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We've already talked about that. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, here it is right here, made us alive together with Christ. There's the union in Christ again. Uh, By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So, effectual call and regeneration. What what are those? Let's just, let's throw it out. What, What are those things? What does what does regeneration mean? Let's well, just... when you think about when you think about man's will, so pre-fall, man was able to, as far as it relates to spiritual matters, choose between good and evil. Okay, Adam chose evil. Mm-hmm. Okay, sin entered the world. At that moment, we were still able to make natural decisions: what to eat, what to wear, what to say. Mm-hmm. But as far as it relates to anything as it pertains to our salvation or anything good spiritually. Nothing. Absolutely mm-hmm. no ability whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So the internal call, the regeneration, when that happens, that is when we have been given the ability through Christ mm-hmm. to be able to, and given the faith to believe. Mm-hmm. That's when that happens. That, that's an aspect of the internal call. Mm-hmm. Now I would say, going to regeneration, uh, regeneration is 
the change of a person's soul mm. by the grace of God, an mm. act of God. So really, the, and there's, there's terms that are interchangeable. We can use conversion, new birth, new right. life. Um, but what it really is, is it's bringing the person from spiritually dead mm-hmm. to spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And then once they are brought to spiritual life, they will profess faith mm-hmm. in Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, the Westminster Confession of Faith says it this way, um, chapter 10, paragraph 2, the effectual call uh, is of God's free and special grace alone, not from anything at all foreseen in man who is altogether passive therein, until being quickened and renewed by the Holy Spirit, he is thereby enabled to answer this call and to embrace the grace offered and mm-hmm. conveyed in it. Mm-hmm. So, so man is passive in his regeneration. He cannot regenerate himself. That's right. I've never known a dead person to raise themselves to life. Me neither. Lazarus would have had except a for, very hard time. Yep. There you go. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Jesus juke. There it was right there. So so then uh, fleshing, fleshing out the order here a little bit. So regeneration must take place in order to answer the effectual call. Yes. yes. So whether or not you think the whether or not you think that the regeneration precedes uh, hearing the gospel or not is one thing, but definitely the internal call is after you have been regenerated because it always brings about the result. That's why, that's why most theologians call it an effectual call. That's right. Because it, it's always effective. It, is, it, it, it always brings about the effect that is desired in the one who is calling. That's right. Yeah, if, uh, if man can be, can be born again, he can only be born again of God. Mm-hmm. Because you can no more born yourself again than you born yourself the first time. That's right. That's, right. That's mm-hmm. why John, I mean, look at what John said to Nicodemus in John 3. That's right. Or Jesus, I'm sorry, what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't even see the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. let alone come into it or choose it, mm-hmm. unless you are born from the Spirit. That's right, that's right. Born of water and Spirit. Yes. Mm. <clears throat> so, um, so, and, and just going back to to that, what you talked about with Jesus talking to Nicodemus in John uh, chapter three, verse three, where Jesus says, "Unless a man is born again," that word "unless." means that something must happen first. Right. Yep. It's, it's a necessary mm-hmm. condition that something must come before being born again. Yeah, it's a conditional yep. statement. That's yeah. right. That's right. So, so let's, let's, get, let's, uh, let's recapitulate here before we get to... Uh, before we get to... What's that word again? Uh, f- faith and justification as part of the Ordo Salutis. So, <clears throat> first thing is... Uh, the Father gave the Son a people, okay? He elected a people that the Son would purchase. That is the redemption portion, okay? That the Son would purchase by His humiliation uh, as a human on the cross. Now, he, here's, he, here's my question then. Did union with Christ... Did that happen at the moment where God elected those people? Was did is the union an eternal union? 
ultimately, yes, mm-hmm. as far as big picture, end of time glorification. Not correct. Sub, not subjectively. Right. The individuals because oh, they okay, were okay. they were not right. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, but, and that's where I was going. But as but as a people, the church was the body. Oh, of, abso- then the answer was, absolutely is an overwhelming church, yes. The church was, e- the body of Christ was elected and in union with Christ before the foundation of the world. Well, right? I don't want to jump ahead to union because, but, but right. one of the four, one of the four pictures that we have of union with Christ in scripture is that of the head and the body. Right. You can't have the head without the body. And we'll get there. You can't have the head without the body and the body without the head. So the answer to your question is, Absolutely. Let, let me let me let me read really quickly, just just so that we're not just so that you guys don't think we're just pulling stuff out of our cans here. <laughs> I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is verse three. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ? There we go. There's union. Right? Mm-hmm. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So the idea of being united to our Savior, that idea of union was a pre creation pre-existent for humans idea. We were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. The church, the universal church, God's elect people for whom Jesus would lay down his life. That's right. And salvation itself uh, was and is the eternal plan of God. That's right. So in Correct. order to it be... It was not plan B. That's right. that's right. It wasn't plan B. It was. It's always been plan A. Now, in order for there to be a plan, you have to have a definite end, mm. right? Correct. You have to have a definite end, mm. and then you have to have um, an appropriate means to accomplish that end. That's right. Now, in the case of God, he has a definite end. He has the means to accomplish that end, but he also has to be in control to accomplish that that end. That's right. So when we bring this into salvation, uh, yes, we are, just as you read in Ephesians 1, in Christ before the foundation of the world because that was the eternal plan of God from eternity past. That goes back to the pactum salutis that we talked about. Yep. That goes back to the, the eternal re- covenant of redemption. And, and, and you see that, and you see, you see what you said, too. So what, what is the end? What is the end of this salvation? It is that we, would be, we should be holy and blameless before him, mm-hmm. right? And you can, go back to, you can even go back to Romans chapter 8. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. The end is for us to be like Christ. Thank you for saying that. Uh, and because and, and, that was something that in studying this um, that jumped, I mean, leaped off the pages of scripture into my mind and my heart is notice there verse five. I'm sorry, verse four. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Why did he choose us? 
to be holy, to be blameless. And, and, and I'll say this, uh, without diving again, not, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about here, but the point of you being a, a, a believer, a little Christ, is to be sanctified in him, mm. okay? He wanted you to be holy and blameless, the imputed righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Our sin was imputed, am I using the right language here? Mm-hmm. Imputed yep. to him, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so that before him, we would be holy and blameless. The one of the goals, and we and AG and I were talking about earlier today, is where does sanctification fall in the lines of the Ordo Salutis, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but right here should kind of give you a clue of where we're going to go. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, predestination, foreknowledge, election, that we would be holy and blameless before Him, justified. Okay, we are. We repent. Initially, unto life, spiritual life, we continue to repent, Mm -hmm. to uh, be sanctified more into the, as Romans 8 says, into the image Mm -hmm. of his son. That's 2 Corinthians 3 as well. So in in this, and we we go back to Ephesians, uh, you can look just a page over Ephesians 5. Yeah. Husbands, love your Christ, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? For what? What did Christ give himself up for the church for? That he might sanctify her. That's right that having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he, Christ, might present the church, that is, the elect people before the foundation of the world, to himself in splendor, without spot. And keep going. for or no without, one. Or without wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, right? This is, this is what we... Th- that is that that is the that is the end. The end is a pure bride for a pure church for the head of the church, the one that died for his people. We Jesus did not come and die so that we could just be remain in our sin when he comes back. That's right. When he comes back for his bride. His bride is going to be without spot or without blemish. That's right. That's she right. She is going to be pure. That's correct. And nothing less, he, he is worthy of nothing less than a pure bride for what he accomplished for her. And it's him that actually accomplished the purity That's on right. her behalf. That's right. So side note here, for those of you who would identify yourselves as Reformed, being reformed is more than just affirming the five solas. Right. It's more than just affirming tulip. Mm-hmm. It is more uh, than just affor- affirming this order of salvation that if we are truly reformed, there should be a sanctification, a desire to be sanctified by Christ by holding onto as tight as we can the one who makes us white as snow by diving in every day, searching the scriptures, um, that it should be the most important thing to us so that we would continue to be sanctified. Look at Ephesians. The first three chapters are doctrine. The next three are application and holy living. First Peter, the first section of the first chapter, doctrine and reminder of the blessing and the inheritance that we have. Then the rest of First Peter, four and a half chapters, holy living. Second Peter's the same way. Yeah. That the whole... The, the, he Semper, has given, that's right. Always be reforming. He's given us the ability to do that. And he wants not, that for us. It's not always be reforming to the culture. That's right. That's what liberal theology tells us. They take this very, uh, this very awesome, this awesome doctrine 
of Semper Reformanda, and they want to twist it and make it say that that means we should always be reforming to the culture. Right. It's, that's not what that means. It means that in personal holiness, in, that's in, right. in, in holiness as a church, we should always be reforming and comparing and looking at ourselves in the mirror of the Bible. Right? The Bible is what's going to reveal our spots and blemishes. That's right. The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to empower us to put away those spots and blemishes so that when Christ returns, he will see his pure bride and not, you know. An antinomian. Yeah. That's right. Someone that's who, right. as the Corinthians did, thought they could live however they want. That's right. Live in sin. Oh, you know what? There's grace. That's There's right. grace. And no, no, no. There, there is grace, Absolutely. but it's not cheap grace. No, right. no. The you grace, don't the grace crucify that we, Christ the, over and the over grace, again. Yeah, the grace that we have is a it was an expensive grace. That's right. It is not it's a, a free gift, grace. but it costs That's a right. whole lot. That's right. So, so in a in, yeah, so in a sense, the church was united to Christ when the Father elected the the the, the body of Christ, but. We see that play out individually, so we see there is an external call, right? The gospel is preached, okay? Those uh, that, are, that are regenerate or those when they hear it, the, the Holy Spirit regenerates their heart in that moment, and, the, and the, the Holy Spirit calls them in that moment to receive the gospel. So that's where we've gotten so far. So, which and that's is, which where is, conversion happens. And that's, that's where conversion happens. And so regeneration, so we, we, we've now had an, a, 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 an external call. The gospel's been preached. The, the heart has been changed. The, the call has, the effectual call of God on that person to receive Christ has yep. happened. And now we see faith. That's right. right. Faith now in Christ and his work is now there. So regeneration precedes faith. Uh, the gospel has landed on good soil. That person has professed uh, that they are a sinner. They have received the gospel as truth. They have, uh, they have, their eyes have been opened to the beauty and the work of Christ on, on their behalf. So we've been justified now. There's justification. So, so and, 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 I, and I would say, okay, justification is a is an effect, it is a benefit of oh, union yes. with Christ. Yep. Yes. So well, and union with look, the, the the whole concept of union with Christ is 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 the depth and the anchor of the spiritual intimacy of all of it. It is union with Christ is where uh, what was it I had written down? Um, it's where it, it, it's where the springs of every soteriological doctrine spring from mm -hmm. is the union with Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I tell you what, the one aspect of the Ordo Salutis that has stood out to me the most has been, been the doctrine of adoption. Mm. It has been the one that from an emotional standpoint for me has run me over mm -hmm. and humbled me. Mm -hmm. And um, man... We have been placed into, uh, and, and on no work of our own, as Ephesians says, into the family of God and been given his name. Mm. Now, for me, 
again, I, 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 I don't know why I'm talking about my dad today, but I am. Um, yes, I do. I do know why I'm talking about my dad because of what we're talking about here. Um, when you look at the fact, uh, I love what Ephesians 1 says, that we have been adopted in to the family of God, the household of God. Mm. Um, let me flip back over to Ephesians 1. He predestined us to adoption as sons yeah. through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, mm. which he freely bestowed on us so, in the beloved. So let's say this then, let's, and we haven't said this yet, and I think it goes without saying most, mostly, but I think it's worthy of saying is the ultimate reason for all of this is the glory of God. Amen. Yes. I mean, all the, about the, that. The, the, that's why it can't be about us. That's right. That's why it that's why we can't assist in our own salvation yes. Yes. is because it's not it's not about the glory of us. It's yep. not about us uh, us having a, ascending to some intellectual level. Right. It's not about us achieving some moral goodness. It's not about that at all. It relies only on the grace of God because it's for His glory alone. Soli Deo Gloria, mm. right? I mean, that's one of the it's one of the pillars of the Reformation. All that we say and all that we do should be for the glory of God, and salvation is the pinnacle of His glory. Going back to the Westminster Confession of Adoption. All those who are justified, God graciously guarantees to make partakers of the grace of adoption in and for his son, Jesus Christ. By this act, they are taking, taken into the number of God's children and enjoy all the liberties and privileges of that relationship. They are given his name. They receive the spirit of adoption. They have access to the throne of grace with boldness, and they, have, they are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, like a father, God has compassion on, protects, provides for, and chastens them. Yet they will never be cast off because they are sealed to the day of redemption and will inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. So, yeah, amen. I say amen to that. And if you can't say amen, don't say anything. Yeah. Uh, so, so then... Justification comes after the regeneration and the external call. Correct. Yep. And then faith happens, mm -hmm. and we are we are justified by faith. Right. Right. Faith, faith alone. Right. Mm -hmm. By grace alone. So mm -hmm. we're justified by our faith. We're found justified means you're found not guilty. That's right. Right. So so from a forensic and legal from, standpoint, from a yep. forensic and legal standpoint, you stand before God not guilty of your sin that you have committed directly against Him, yep. and and then because you are found not guilty and because your sins have been removed, he receives you on the basis and work. And not only, we got to say this, because of 
because you are united to Christ, not only are you uh, not only are you not guilty of your sin, positively you have received his righteousness. That's right. That's right. So, you, so you, now, you now are found not guilty and actually are found to be right, mm. to be righteous. Double imputation. P- double imputation, okay, before God. And you, therefore, because of your now, your forensic standing before him, he adopts you and brings you into his family. That's right. Now, going back to... Uh, being justified, because I've heard it said that justified, you can define as saying, just as if I'd never sinned. Now, that doesn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. It's true, but it doesn't go far enough. Mm-hmm. All that does, if, if your sin was to be canceled out, that just brings you back to zero. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's you're looked and treated at just as if you had always obeyed God, mm-hmm. because now you have a positive righteousness mm-hmm. that is not your own, credited mm-hmm. to your account, mm-hmm. and you are now viewed with the righteousness of Christ. That's, Col- yeah, that's Colossians correct. 2, mm-hmm. 13, when you were dead in your transgressions. <clears throat> and by the way, if you notice the differences between some of the versions that we're reading, I'm reading out of the New American Standard today. Um, if you notice, Nick and I have been reading the same verses, but they're a different wording. Anyway. Side note, uh, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, Mm -hmm. and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. By the way, not one of those debts that you owed, did you have, do any of us have anything to offer in terms of payment back. That's for right. Those. Oh, amen. That we, you have nothing that you can give and offer to God that would allow you to do, even make one step toward paying off that record of debt. So, so we have justification, mm-hmm. right? We have righteousness. We're adopted into the family of God, okay? Now, repentance, Okay, I now some people would disagree with this. Some people, um, you know, I think I think there is someone, and I don't want to I don't want to drag his name in here because he is somebody that we all love, but that would say that repentance is part of uh, faith. That faith and repentance. That faith and repentance are pretty much the same thing. <laughs> so w- we need we need to say that repentance cannot precede faith, and repentance cannot precede regeneration. Repentance is a result of regeneration and faith and being uh, justified. That's that's what. That, that's where repentance falls. So, and repentance, I would say repentance is directly connected to sanctification. Mm-hmm. I would say repentance and sanctification are uh, tied together in the Ordo Salutis. And, and does sanctification belong in the Ordo Salutis? Eh, I mean... I'm going to say yes. I, th- yeah. I think, I, I think, think it, from an initial, we... Because the... Ju- when you look at the, 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 the definitions of the two words, justification and sanctification, 
they can be synonymous. Mm. So I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that they do belong together. Yes. And then and again, that's just my opinion. Yeah, but I, I agree. I agree. Now, and, well, well, now that, that you say that, let me go into some 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 differences between justification and sanctification. Sure. So justification is an instantaneous change of your standing with God. That's right. Where sanctification is a progressive work. Justification deals with what Christ has done for us. Sanctification is the effect of Christ working in us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Ju- those are just some some differences. I would and I I would say and this is this is a this is this is probably gonna not people are not gonna agree with this totally. But <clears throat> you're so divisive. I, I would I would say that they're equally a work of God. Yes, absolutely. That people want to say people people want to say, hey, just you're justified. You know, God is the one who justifies you. You know, that's by grace, and that's through the work of the Spirit. But once you're justified, you got to kind of grit it out yourself. And and the, and and the and the answer to that is First Thessalonians y- five. You you do have to you do have to kill sin. Mm-hmm. And that does take act action, but you can only do that by the power of the Spirit. You can only do you. that through God. If you are not being sanctified, if you are not being sanctified, you are not a Christian because pr- Christians, re- you see fruit. You will know them by their fruit. That's right. Right. Well, check and, out check out Romans six to, to to support what you're saying. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we could no longer walk as slaves to sin. For he, he who has died has freed us from sin. Um, let me skip ahead. That wasn't where I wanted to be. Because, I mean, I, what I was going to say is right along with what Nick was saying, it's important to remember that, that sanctification is God's work. It's It's... Um, and so Romans six, uh, th- this commentary, uh, this guy, Chad says that, uh, uh, reminded in Romans six that there were, uh, that we are told that sanctification only happens in Christ. There we are told that the only way to be dead to sin is to see our old self as crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. There's, u- there's union with Christ again. Again. Man, it keeps coming up. There, there's there's union with Christ again, right? If, right, you you are sanctified because you are united to the one who we read in Ephesians five died to sanctify you. Well, and ultimately, if if, if we're we're justified, if we're if we're saved by the work of the Word and the Spirit, we're also sanctified by the work of the Word, word and, the, and the Spirit. First right. Thessalonians five: He who called you is faithful; mm. he will surely do it. That's right, and. and, and w- that leads into the perseverance of the saints. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> John ten. Amen. John ten. John ten. If you if you're in the Father's hand, you ain't getting out of Romans the Father's 8, hand. Right. John ten. Well, well, I mean, even go back earlier in John than that to John six. Yeah. yeah. Right. Those yeah. who are given by the Father to the Son, the Son will lose none. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't even. I don't even know any Arminians that would disagree with the perseverance of the saints uh i think i think i think now now if you carry their theology to its rightful place they would tell you that you can step out of the hand of god they would they would tell you that they would if they would say hey it's your choice 
to be in. Therefore, you have the ability to step out. Now, no one can snatch you. They would, they would tell you that Satan can't come and get you out of the Father's hand, that you're protected there. But they would tell you that, you know, you can, you can decide you don't want to follow him anymore. And therefore, you know, you can, you can get yourself out of the Father's hand. First John. Well, I mean, what a weak God that is. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, I mean, you an emascul- I mean, you want an emasculated God that doesn't have the ability to accomplish yeah. what he wants he, to? He, he, he can't overcome my own will in order to keep me right. as his own. Well, if you believe Stephen Furtick, then yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I mean, but, but I go back to what I said at the beginning of this. That is why, and I'm going to double down on it. Our, to be, to continue to remain, especially as a leader or a pastor, a preacher, an elder, and I'll say this, that we must dis- have a distinction between those who are false teachers and those who are just being misled. Mm. Is misled even a word? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but to remain an Arminian is, you're a heretic. Yeah. It's heresy. You are a danger to those. You are leading people astray. I mean, That's, it's, going back to what you were just saying a second ago, First John, they went on of us because they were not of us. If right. you can step away or walk away, mm. you weren't a believer in the first place. And ultimately, it comes down to... and people. You hear people all the time quoting these statistics of when kids go off to college, you know, 85% of people, you know, step away from the faith. And and the truth of the matter is they probably step away from the faith because they were never really taught the true gospel. That's right. They were never yeah. real they were never really they were never really preached mm-hmm. the 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 full counsel of God and they were never really discipled and they mm-hmm. and we 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 live in in a in an age where it's a decisionistic regeneration where yep. you just got to make this decision and pray this prayer and what is that founded on? It's not founded on anything. It's founded there, on works, it, your works. Yeah, and that's that, that's the problem, man. I, and I think you I can't mentioned measure this. up. You can when you exactly. make it about works, you're if never you're, gonna measure up. Well, and you know, I, I I mentioned this before. I mean, there was a there was a, a pastor I was listening to who, at the end of his sermon, and the reason I say it like that is. Because it was more like a pep talk than a sermon. Um, another conversation for a different time. Not yeah, trying to be pastors just preach the, the word. word. Preach okay? it, like stop, preach stop it. Stop trying to do so, this persuasion uh, bullcrap. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, and, and his whole invitation, quote unquote, at the end was maybe today you need to you need to pray to receive Christ so that He can come in and regenerate you. And I'm like, no, that makes you, all you're doing by preaching that kind of salvation and regeneration. It's just. It's just regurgitating what Roman Catholics believe in a different way. That's all it's doing. It's it's work. So again, getting off here. Well, but, but e- even going back to that, all that does is make you your own savior. Exactly. With Jesus as a exactly. And, and and just like we have Vodi right in the beginning of our intro, he he's yearning for you. Mm-hmm. He's no, that's not the way it works. If salvation is all a work of God, and if you affirm that, mm-hmm. then stop asking. Stop telling people that they need to pray to receive Christ so that he'll regenerate them. Give, 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 Preach give, the word. Give Jesus a try, mm-hmm. right? I mean, give, give Jesus a try. And, 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 and look, golly, man, it's, it's, it's a circular argument. And here's the thing. You know, you have, you have guys like Andy Stanley that are preaching like, hey, just, 
Just come in and just give Jesus a try. Just, just give, it, give him a try. But he's the one who's saying, you, parents, you don't need to teach your kids the Bible oh. because the Bible's already been disproven. And he's using that to say, when they go off to college, you need to give them something firmer that they can stand on. You, you're, you, you, what are you doing? You're, you're telling people to give Jesus a try? What do you think is going to happen when they go off to college and a professor looks them in the face and tells them that they're out of their mind and they're, 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 their faith is a bunch of poo, man? They, they're not, they, have no, they have nothing that they're going to be able to stand on. You're the problem. It's, you're, you're the problem. It's not people who want to preach the Old Testament that's the problem. You're the problem. Yeah, and can I just, yeah. If, if, if you're listening to this and you attend North Point Community Church, Buckhead Church, Woodstock City Church, um, can't, get out of there. Get out. Of, I, look, I'm, I'm, people keep asking me about this, and, and I'm just going to go on record publicly. Andy Stanley, you are a heretic at this point. You, I, I'm, I'm going to go, you, you are, are an apostate. You are leading people astray. People have come to you directly. I have emailed him directly with no response whatsoever. They have called you to repent as a brother in Christ. And so now I'm asking you, dude, stop. People, if you're listening to this, get out of there. Go find a church that preaches the gospel. Okay, back to Perseverance of the Saints. <laughs> Westminster Confession of Faith. They whom God has accepted in his beloved, effectually called, and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. Mm. Amen. Amen. And can I just say, uh, if you guys are looking for a great tool uh, to grow in, in your ability to articulate doctrines uh, and and uh, in a very concise but very devotional type way. This book, Confessing the Faith, A Reader's Guide to the Westminster Confession of Faith, is a commentary on that by uh, Chad Van Dixhorn, uh, and you can find that at Banner Truth, by the way. And it has been, I, I told AG this earlier today, man, it's been something that has just enriched me uh, and my walk with the Lord. So um, but just wanted to throw that out there. So anyway. Well, that'll just about do it for this episode. We'd, we ended it with some fire, man. <laughs> I mean, we. one thing I like is that Nick gave you a lot of free sermons. So uh, Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, take notes on that. But, I mean, there's there's so much that we want to get into that we didn't actually get to get into yeah. and, and unfold more just things about sanctification, justification, faith. Um, we could go on for hours and hours about that. And Nick said, you, you know, there's we've got four hours of doctrine to teach, and I'm just like, well, that's a minimum of four hours. Yeah, we could just go yeah. on and on. Um, but um, we'll say it again, guys. Mm-hmm. All this stuff is found right here mm-hmm. and will enrich uh, your life and confidence um, in what the Savior had, has done and, and just encourage you and give you hope beyond hope. Get in your word, man. Just Read get your in. Bibles. That's right. So so what we're going to do for this episode, since we weren't able to actually (coughs) unpack everything we wanted to get, um, I'm going to put in some some systematic theology suggestions, some some books that you can get, that you can study, um, definitely that 
commentary on the Westminster Confession. Um, but we want you to be equipped as well. So mm. final words as we leave, why is, the, is knowing the order of salvation important to people who, just, who aren't pastors, who aren't in the ministry? Mm. I'll, I'll go, and then I'll let Chris finish up. <clears throat> if you're in the ministry... You've been uh, charged with caring for a special people. And uh, we're, not many of us are to be teachers because mm. we are going to be held to higher account. That's right. Take what you speak to your flock seriously. Mm. Take the weight of preaching the word with the proper weight that it should be felt with. Um, preach the full counsel of God. Please. Uh, for the lay people like me, like us. Yeah. Uh, the order of salvation is important because it is not of yourself, not one part of it. And that should give you comfort. Mm -hmm. If you know your sin and you know who you are as a sinner, you know what your old self looks like, you don't want it to be about you because that's an ugly thing for all of us to, to know our old self and what we did and how we sinned against the holy God. We, don't, we should not want it to be about us. We should not trust ourselves. We should not trust our hearts. Hearts are wicked above all else, right? We should be, we should be thankful that salvation is a work of God from start to finish. That should be something. And thankfulness, I'll say it again, thankfulness is a tool to crush idols in our lives. That's right. And some of those idols are our own, are things that are powers that we think that we have that we don't actually have. Yep. Like our ability to save ourselves or our ability to cause God to regenerate us whenever we want to. Wrong. Sorry. Okay. That's an idol. That's a tradition. That's an idol. Thankfulness to God for what he's done crushes that idol. Our, uh, and I sent this to these guys yesterday, I said, um, our understanding and comprehension of all things pertaining to salvation should seek to be as thorough as that which Scripture teaches. That should be our goal. We should uh, continue to study. We should continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Um, because uh, as Scripture teaches, and we're seeing this today, one of the biggest problems is that churches today, not the church, but churches, lowercase c, um, have a very lazy and slothful view of anything to do with the Scriptures. So we in and of ourselves as lay people, and, uh, and that should be an encouragement to anyone who seeks to be a pastor or teacher, that your understanding and ability to articulate the things in Scripture, especially the Ordo Salutis, should be um, as thorough as what we find in Scripture. Yeah. Study to find yourself approved, yeah. a workman approved. Yeah. Yeah. So in summation, the entirety of the order of salvation can be wrapped up in four words. The sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. Amen, and right on. That's right.
that'll do it for this episode of Matter of Theology. We hope that this blesses you. Um, we can't thank you enough for, for tuning in, listening, yep. and sharing, those of you that share this episode. Mm. Go in God's grace. Be blessed. Be blessed.